0: Assalamu uh, alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope. We just sit back and have a conversation on how you can live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Kathleen Eckert. We're going to talk about how she got started in her journey of entrepreneurship. We're going to get into her book, her consulting and speaking and get some gems for those of you who are maybe just starting out or you're at a point where you may not be seeing the success uh, that you're seeing, or maybe you feel like, hey, I'm just on a treadmill and I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. Uh, So for those who be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, for Spotify, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Kathleen?
1: Hi, my name is Kathleen Eckert. Um, I am a former principal. I was a middle school principal for 10 years until just a few months ago. Um, I'm a director in a school district here in Texas, and I authored a book last year called School Transformation Through Teacher Appreciation.
0: Awesome. So I'm always curious as how people got to where they are. What did you think you'll be doing when you were growing up and how did you find yourself in K through 12 education?
1: I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. Um, My great aunt um, in Alabama was a math teacher in high school, a high school math teacher. And I used to act like I was a teacher and I would teach the people in my neighborhood and stuff like that. So I always knew I wanted to teach. Um, I never knew I wanted to go into administration and go the route I ended up. It was um, a mentor of mine, Kathleen Richardson, my principal at the time, that told me I need to go into administration. She pushed and prodded, had me sub for her assistant principals, and I finally started my master's, and my next mentor, Stephen Johnson, gave me my first uh job as an assistant principal in Fort Worth ISD. Um, Loved every minute of it and slowly went into being a building principal and now a director, but also an author.
0: So what drew you to entrepreneurship? Uh, Did you have any doubts or fears when you decided to become a business? And if so, how did you put those aside?
1: Well, I didn't think about it as going into a business when I got started. It really started because when I would go to conferences, I would always do a session called, Do Your Teachers Feel Appreciated? And from there, it just, everybody kept saying, oh, you should write a book, oh, you should write a book. And I'd heard it for a while, and I actually went to, um, got with a publisher After writing it and was told this was before COVID that there is not a market for a book about teacher appreciation and it's, there's over 130 ideas in it. So I was shocked that there wasn't a market because I'm like, I would buy this. And then once COVID hits, then I started getting with other publishers and doing some different things. And from there, that's when I decided, okay, let's get this book going and I've just slowly been taking off from there. Mm.
0: So how did you find your purpose in teacher appreciation? You know, there are, all different educators have that that thing that pulls them, that drives them and that thing, especially when you get in. To what we're doing, the purpose of this podcast is, you know, what you're going to be speaking on or or writing about. So I've had people on who talk about SEL or who talk about blended learning or who talk about uh, equity or dyslexia. And, and when you're booked, you're talking about teacher appreciation. Uh, how did that come to you? Uh, what led you to feel that this is something that I needed to speak about? And how did you turn that into a business?
1: It it all, it started as like a little nugget, like most things do. Um, When I was a varsity softball coach in Fort Worth ISD, when every Monday or once a week, the graffiti team would come out and if my field had been been tagged over the weekend, they would paint over it and when sprinkler heads would break, Mark, uh, one of the plumbers would come out and fix them. And I just realized I need to be very personable with these people. I mean, they do a huge service for me and I'm so appreciative. And so I used to give them uh, softball gear all the time. I'd give them shirts. I'd bake for them if they were coming out and just really got to know them as people. And it, it was really just something I was doing. I wasn't doing to get anything out of it. I was just so appreciative that they were taking care of me to take care of my girls and take care of my program. And at the beginning of my book, I actually talk about a story with Mark, the plumber, where the baseball coach had had a sprinkler head that had been out for like three months and he was hosting a tournament. And he finally came to me and said, "Will you call the plumber and see if they'll come fix it. I've had a work order in and I looked at him. I said, dude, you've got to learn how to be nicer to people and thank them and show them, you know, that you appreciate them. He goes, oh, come on, Eckert, I really need this. I said, I'm going to do this for you this time. I said, but you've really got to start taking care of people. And so I texted Mark and said, hey, can you come out? And so he came out and I sat out there with him for the 15 minutes it took him to fix that sprinkler head that had been broke for three months. And we sat out there talking. I was asking about his daughter and his wife and stuff like that. And I just really took that lesson to me. with me when I became a school administrator. And as an assistant principal, I started contacting businesses for gift cards to use to give away different things like that, and just kind of grew in that capacity. And then my first day as a building principal, I sat down with my secretary and I said, show me the budget I can use on teachers and what can we do? And was really shocked when We really couldn't. In the district I was in, I could buy one meal a semester for my teachers and that's it. I couldn't buy convocation shirts or anything like that. And so I had to get very creative to really show my teachers that they are the most important person in this building. I know that we're student focused in all of that, but you got to take care of the people that are taking care of the kids or the kids aren't going to get taken care of. And it just really morphed from there. Um, people started reaching out to me for ideas. People started, you know wanting to come see me at conferences, contacting me to present, and slowly just kind of put it into a book.
0: Mm. So I want to speak to you. Well, let me ask you about this because then because I, I, this question is, is hit because I this is something that I have brought up. In previous uh, interviews uh, with teachers, uh, as I mentioned, you are the, the author of School Transformation uh, through Teacher Appreciation. And you mentioned sort of your experiences and the stories behind you uh, getting to the point write writing the book. But give us some nuggets of what is in the book and what do you hope readers take away from the book?
1: I've actually broken the book into three parts. The first part is transformation. Um, what to do if you really want to transform your campus, how to really empower and motivate your teachers to make that happen. The second one is momentum, keeping it up. And if you just want strategies and you don't want to know how they were used, section three is just full of strategies. So I'm very much one of those not really concerned about what your philosophy is, just give me some things I can actually do. And so in this book, through teacher appreciation, my campus, we did things like my last year was last year is the building principal. We logged 3000 teacher on teacher walkthroughs last year. We logged every or every teacher would record a video of themselves teaching and watch it as a department to help that teacher grow. And my teachers wanted to do these things and they were willing to do these things because of the different trust systems and the different things that we built up through appreciation. And appreciation, a jeans pass isn't going to do it. That's not appreciation. You can't give them jeans. But things like letting them vote on key things, you know, what are we going to do here? How do y'all want to go sharing those results with them? Something, um, one part I call give them voice. We actually, a few years ago, I gave them paper. I said, let's T-chart out our initiatives. This one, first side is instructional. Second side is school culture. And then put a D by those that are district. And then I said, now at the bottom, let's do the prescription. What can we take off of your plates and how? And the teacher started listing that out and created a list, department chair meetings meet with me every two weeks. And we just started on that list every meeting. And we would share out with the staff where we're at. And it took us about three months to get through the list, but the teachers had that voice. And so people don't realize giving them that voice and that power is a major form of appreciation. And so it's not just giving them things. Now, if you want to give them things, all that's in there too. But how can you empower those teachers to be the experts that you hired? Mm -hmm. Because you hired them because they're experts in their content. How can you empower them to now use their expertise for what's best for your kids?
0: So to that, I want to throw this out there to you. What do you think many or some school leaders get wrong about? Teacher appreciation and transformation.
1: I think the main thing that people get wrong if they get it wrong is they think teacher appreciation's that week in May. And that's it. And it's not. It it's it needs to be all year. It needs to be ongoing. Um, it needs to be having your teachers back when, you know, if you're sitting down with a parent, and this part's not in the book, but it's something as simple as having your teachers back when you have an upset parent. Now talk to your teacher in advance, see what's going on. And if your teacher was wrong, you tell them, Hey, look, you were wrong. We got to fix this. Okay. So let's, how could we make this right? Help them develop an idea or a common ground, something to give to the parent and then they tell the teacher, okay, we're going to meet with this parent, but you're going to sit on that. You're not going to toss that out until I tell, until I give you the signal because maybe we can fix all this without you having to make a concession. You know, maybe we can fix all this even though you were in the wrong without the concession. But if the concession's needed, it doesn't need to come from me as the principal. It needs to come from you. And when the teacher tosses out that concession, as a principal, you look at the teacher and you're like, Man, are you sure about that? And you you make it sound like the teacher's the hero for coming up with it. It it's Really just respecting those teachers and showing them those kind of things that have really, I mean, it made me a successful, what I like to think, a successful principal. Um, The school received lots of awards Mm -hmm. during the 10 years I was there. And it wasn't because of anything I did. It was because of what those teachers did. And to this day, I can call any of those teachers and say, hey, I need you to jump. And they're going to say how high because they know I've supported them. I've given them those appreciated things, given them voice, and I authentically listened to them.
0: Mm. I find it interesting with anyone in leadership who does not understand the people they lead, I guess, and Mm -hmm. support them as people and let certain things go or adjust how you do what you do. Right. And so I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and Bill Cower was known as being a hothead on the sideline, but even he, in speaking about his style, he said, I knew which players I get into their faces and I knew which players that I had to pull to the side and be real calm and how I spoke to them. Because for me, I want the best result out of the person and in some administrators are like, this is my show. And quite honestly, to, to me, they harp on stuff that are stuff you, you can let go. Like, you know, if a teacher is 10 minutes late every day, some people just late. All right. Let's get real. You know, some people, they just happens. <laughs> um, But, it's, but if that person is handling their business, I'm just going to let that go personally. Cause I'm like, okay, it's 10 minutes, whatever. Uh, obviously it is what it is. Cause some people are just, they'll, they'll show up late to their own wedding cause they're just late all the time. That's just who they are. But one of the things that I, I, I bring on the show when I talk to people about certain things that happen in leadership, which I'm just like, oh, my gosh, how did this happen, is when a teacher is fed up and they send the child out and the administrator, instead of keeping the child and then maybe going to the teacher and say, okay, according to your behavioral plan, did you call the parent first? And then if the teacher didn't say, okay, next time Call the parents so we can have this documentation, but don't send that kid back. But that but well, I have heard so many stories of that administrator just sending that kid right back. Now the teacher hired the teacher hotter already now. Cause the child came back. The kid mm-hmm. come back with the chest out. Ain't nothing happened to me. The kids in the classroom looking like, well, okay, party on then. Party on. Cause they see nothing happened to the kid. And now that, that teacher is is. Not only angry at the student, but this teacher is angry at the administrator because the administrator mm-hmm. just sent the kid back as a, and, and instead of handling what they felt should have been business on their end.
1: I agree, and it it can be a very fun type rope, I guess, to walk when you're dealing with stuff like that. Um, the administrator, if if in my opinion, if the teacher. You hire those teachers, like I said earlier, to be the experts in their content, okay? I trust my teachers that if they actually sent the kid out of the room, there is something going on. So, I mean, next to my office is a conference room, in my office are chairs, in the hallway right there, outside my office are chairs, and in my front office, there are chairs. I got plenty of places for those kids to park it until I can figure out what's going on. And you can't go into a teacher's room and right then interrupt instruction and say, Hey, why'd you send Billy out? You can't because now you've really just created more of an issue because now you're interrupting the instruction of the other kids. So, when stuff like that, if my teacher actually sends them out, we keep them for the rest of the day. I mean, the rest of the period. Then, when it's, I was at a middle school. So, when the bell rang, unless the teacher called and said, This kid cussed me out, or this kid did that. We let them go to their next class until we either get the referral from the teacher or we know what's going on. If the teacher called and said, you know, even said, you know what, I'm about to hurt this kid because of blah, blah, blah. If I think it's enough, we're going to chunk them in ISS or keep them in the office the rest of the day. There's, you can keep them in the office and it not be ISS because you just, you just code them in the office. So there's lots of ways to work around things like that to show your teachers that you understand. Now, at the same time, something I did tell my teachers is if you send Billy into the hallway, if Billy's acting up in class and being disruptive, when you're in there and can see him, what do you think he's going to do when you put him out in the hallway where you can't see him? It's going to be worse. So if you're going to send a kid out, don't send them outside of your room. Send them to the office or call and let me send an administrator to come get them or my security officer, because if you can't trust them in the room, you can't trust them in the hallway unsupervised. So it's kind of, you've got to have those conversations all the way around with your teachers. And when your teachers think, oh yeah, that's right, I shouldn't send them out. But you know what? If... Billy doesn't get out of here. I'm not my job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, come on, you know, we'll go get him and we'll take care of it. And, you know, we'll do what we have to do. It, it's another form of appreciation by letting your teacher see that you understand and you get it because the administrators were there. We had the classes. One of my kids, when I was a high school coach, I taught U.S. history. And um, my softball players, some of them I was really close with. And my husband coached them in off season. And one of the girls didn't have a dad and really kind of bonded with my my husband. And she gave us Aggie mom and dad mugs when she went to college. We had her over for dinner, I want to say about a year ago. And she's married with three kids now and stuff like that. We had her husband over. Well, her husband was in my history class. And he looked at me. He goes, coach, I bet you never thought I'd, you'd invite me to your house. And I was like, Zach, you are right about that. Because I thought I was going to put you through that wall. Because I threatened to put him through that wall. But you got to have that conversation with the teachers so that they feel comfortable. Because yeah, Zach acted up, but he knew better. And I'm never going to put him outside the door because, you know, we're going to do that. I told him I'm just going to throw you through the wall and be done with you. But you've got to let the teacher see both sides of that, of how you're going to work those situations so that they trust you to have their back. Mm -hmm. And something administrators don't get either is you've got to, if a teacher puts the kid out, you got to follow up with the teacher. After the teacher tells you what happened, you deal with it, you call the parent, you do the consequence, you got to go back and tell the teacher what the parent said, how it went, what the consequence was because if you don't do that follow-up there, the teacher's going to think you did nothing and their perception is reality in their world. I try to explain to people, a student's perception is their reality and a teacher's perception is their reality. If they think you're not going to help them or work the discipline, you're just really all back at square one anyways.
0: Mm. I know my wife first started teaching. She had a uh gray level colleague who was having uh some classroom issues and went to the principal and the principal just you know he i guess did what a typical I won't say typical principal would do but he it was a very supportive situation and she was at a point to where she was done and then she had one of those days again that those kids were were cutting up And she didn't call the office. She didn't call a parent. She packed up her bags and she went home. She just went home and never came back. And Mm -hmm. when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Uh, Like you, You have to be for you to just get up and walk out and don't even tell the principal, look, I quit. You just like I'm out of here something really was really going on but but you know with with an administrator I'm, I'm just wondering uh because i i get and you you know i i'm not a school administrator and, and never have been and i can understand someone saying i don't want to kick the kids out or i want to do this because if they're not at school what will they be doing in xyz i get that but At some point, students have to have beyond the respect, they need to have that fear of Mm -hmm. if I do this, I don't think I want the consequences. Like the culture at the school, you know, I'm like, it has to be what kids know. You know what? There's a line I can tiptoe to, but if I go over that line, I know what's going down, and and some. School administrators don't have that culture. So kids, so there are some kids who go, you know what, I own this place. I'm going to do what I'm going to
1: do. I, I like to call that the, the kids need to have healthy fear. Yes. There's, there's a healthy fear. They need to have that. And I will tell you, my teachers, my teachers, uh, this sounds bad. They had a little bit of healthy fear because they knew that I had very high expectations and you are, I am going to hold you accountable. You are going to do your job. If you're not going to do your job, I'll hold the door for you. Um, I'll show it to you and hold it. But at the same time, I really worked hard to appreciate them. And when I hear stories like your wife, it, it first, it hurts my heart because the teacher, they don't get into teaching for the money. Let's just, I mean, that's not why you, You get into it because you have a heart for it or a heart for the kids. And it hurts my heart when I hear an administrator has put out that flame of love or desire for a teacher because of how they've been treated. And I will say, yes, those administrators are out there. And yes, I've worked for some. And I think working for some of those really made me work hard not to be that way. And so if there are teachers out there that are having a bad time, go to another school. That's one of the best things about education. Like here in this, I'm in Texas, in the state of Texas, I can leave this district and go to the one next door and my retirement goes with me. What other job do you work in that you can shift around every few years to another district and get in your retirement and your, part, your state days go with you, too. Mm-hmm. So if you're having an issue with an administrator, go to another campus. There, there There's a teacher shortage right now. You know, before I'd have hundreds lined up for a job. Now it's not quite so many. But teachers are wanted. Teachers are needed. And if you're not happy where you're at, go where you're wanted. And go somewhere where you will be appreciated because those administrators are out there and they outnumber the bad ones.
0: Mm. Mm. If I have some sweet tea, I'll take a sip right now because I love what you just said, because I know of teachers who will complain about. The students, they'll complain about the parents. They'll complain about the school administrator. They'll, you know, they'll complain and they'll and, and you know, be like, "I'm unhappy," blah. blah, But they don't leave, mm-hmm. right? And I'm looking at them going, like, if you are not happy where you are, then why are you staying? Particularly, you know, in like my area, you know, like where you're talking about. But my my school di- district is in a situation where there are like four school districts that are located where you don't have to physically move and uproot your family to go get another job. You're just driving to another school. It may be a difference of 20 minutes or 25 minutes could be 30, but you don't have to take your kids, put them in another school district and do all this other stuff. You can just roll out. And because I want teachers to be, like happy. And that's part of what I talk about in this podcast and creating multiple streams of income or looking at what you want your life to be. Because I don't want you looking at that Monday and dreading it. And I don't want you doing what we do, which I'm guilty of this sometimes, because you know, you there's times in the year get a little tough. You start looking at that calendar, mm-hmm. wondering when is spring break coming, because you just need <laughs> you just need to chill. You just need to decompress a little bit. But I don't want people living by the calendar, where every holiday they got marked, like this is coming up. I need this. I need this. And and so I'm I'm definitely glad you saying this, but particularly as a as a former school administrator saying, hey, if it's not feeding you, if this is not in in enli- alignment with, with you with who you are, then go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. That is amazing. Uh, So let's get into this consulting work, these workshops, this speaking that you are doing. Uh, Tell us about what you're doing and walk us through your process of working with your clients.
1: Right now, it really got going um, with presenting at conferences and, you know, before you get into stuff like this, I highly recommend that you start presenting at conferences where they have you submit proposals. Mm. Because what it's the first few gigs, I don't know if that's the right term to use, that I've gotten where I'm, I'm getting paid. It was me reaching out to places where I'd presented before and saying, hey, could you cover my expenses? Could you do this? And it's kind of morphing into what I hope will be keynotes eventually and stuff like that, because you're not going to just all of a sudden be a keynote. So it started, started slow doing presentations at conferences and getting your name out there. And then now it's where I'm being sought out for some conferences to come present and things like that. Um, I did start a newsletter recently, too hoping that, um, and in the newsletter, I share teacher appreciation ideas that are not in the book. So I'm always looking for ideas and sharing things out like that. Um, And I want my big ultimate goal is when I retire to work with districts and mentor principals as, you know, a a part-time thing to do after retirement and so i'm really not looking at this as like the business to support me for the rest of my life i do feel like i've got an important message and important content to share with people and so i would like to do that right now i'm just really trying to get going and share that now more than ever i mean teachers need appreciation period into discussion But now more than ever, you've really got to figure out what are you going to do to keep your teachers because we're becoming into that society. We got to start talking about retaining your teachers. And so I want to work with principals on ideas and help them create plans for retaining their teachers, for recruiting their teachers, um, you were talking about on the ca- you know, people mark on the calendar when the next break is. On my campus, um, we did we love October and We Love February, where during those months, those are the two hardest months in education, something happened every day for my teachers on the campus during those two months. And my teachers were like, All right, October's coming. I'm ready for October, I can't wait. Where most of people in education are like October, oh my gosh, yeah, when's Thanksgiving? And it's just it's that whole perception reality thing and just changing that. So I'm I'm starting to present more at conferences and I sell books at conferences when I do that. Um, and I'm starting to um get feelers from districts about coming and working with their principals.
0: Mm. That's great and again, I love how you you're talking about the whole retaining of it because what I am seeing not only from school districts but businesses and organizations in general that a lot of people in charge are not listening to their people and are not people focused.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: they're they're coming up with policies or they're speaking to their people in a certain way. And I'm looking at them, going, "Like, are you like, are you, like, are, like, are you, are you serious? Are you serious?" And even when you, you see in corporate America, a lot of companies are like, "Well, we're we're coming back to the office," and I'm like, "You've gone almost three years with people being productive at home. You cannot now start demanding that these people that you have paid these past three years who were productive <laughs> to come back into the office." Because you're going to have a lot of folks go, well, let's just say I will not be one of those people coming back. Uh, uh, Because, you know, everyone has gotten used to this hybrid. Or all, you know, completely remote working. And so I'm going, okay. let's if that's a goal of yours, see how you can kind of work that in. But the demand is is ridiculous. You know, I I just find it to be like, oh, okay, And and I. and I look at school districts because again, this is the industry I work in, and you know, it's almost like teachers get PBIS'd, you know <laughs> you get you know you get a t-shirt and a couple of bills right and mm-hmm. and people are like, well, you know what? we've done it. We've done our part instead of really investing into the emotional, you know, well-being of, of their people, right? I don't, you know, it's it's you know, maybe this is me. Sometimes I tell people, I say, I'm going to get myself in trouble <laughs> my, my school district one of these days. Now, I'm not talking about my school district. Now, notice I have not said anything about my school district. But notice, another thing for school administrators to understand, if you ever listen to this podcast, that teachers talk. Mm-hmm. Okay, teachers talk so we're not even talking about within the district because that happens too however when you are talking about you talking about texas you talking about mississippi these people are going to the same mosque they're going to the same synagogue they're going to the same church or temple and they talking they're not they hey this was going on in my school oh really it's going to school they're talking and then at a school conference oh it goes down at them conferences (laughs) where teachers are talking about what's going down so school administrators you know get your game up because the brand of your school and who you who that school administrator running in who's that superintendent these teachers are talking and you can either create a situation where people are like oh man i really want to come to your school Mm -hmm. That sounds like, who who is your administrator again? Or it could be like, hey, i am never come to your school. In fact, you need to come to mine. Uh, (laughs) You know, so, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. so So I'm glad you brought the retention up. And so when we were looking at educators starting to do this work, a lot of us don't have. The background in business. So, you know, I mean, through life, you've heard of an LLC or S Corp or things. But the fact of when you're doing this and you're in a check or two starting to come your way in the beginning, you got to figure out okay, how does all of this going? Uh, to work because you want to make sure that you actually have set up a structure for what you're doing. Just like in your classroom, there is no chaos going on. You have a lesson plan. You have a behavioral management plan. You have everything set up to where, okay, if I do uh, gradual release, I got to make sure this is for my direct instruction. This is for the guy to practice. Students will be doing this for independent practice. Like You got a whole game plan going on. You don't just wake mm-hmm. up. And walk in, and could walk in. Well, some people may do that, but you don't, you're not supposed to just walk in <laughs> and be like, hey, it's Wednesday, y'all. We're going to wing this bad boy. You're supposed to have a plan together. And so that's the same thing should apply when you are at a point of saying, this is what I'm going to do, particularly when you are getting, you're starting to see some checks, which you are at this point. How did you get? Your business, the business piece, how do you get all of that in order? And and where does someone start to look at how their own expertise, their receipts, right? The experiences they've had in the classroom or leading a school, how do you make all of that play into your business?
1: If we're talking to teachers or any educators, I think... the way my brain works is think of it like a lesson plan. When you create a lesson plan, you know the end goal going in. You know, it's like if you're a teacher, you, there's the verb out there, the verbiage out there, backward design, create the assessment, and then go back and do the lesson. So what what is your ultimate goal? What are you, What's what's the finish line? What's the goal that you foresee with this? And then start backtracking, and what's it going to take to get there? I think that to really get going, you've you've got to have a network. You've got a network out there. Um, I, for me, I started a group of middle school principals in my area where we met every few months, and it was about sixty of us by the time when I left last year. And we would just meet and share ideas. So start that networking so that your name's out there. If anybody in this area applies for a job and they see the name Kathleen Eckert on there as a as a supervisor or a reference, my name is known in the DFW area and they'll call me. So you've got to start thinking about that naming, that brand branding. If you're doing amazing things, apply for awards. They're not going to walk up to you and say, hey, great job. Here's this award for a teacher award or here's this teacher of the year is the only thing on a campus that you don't apply for outside of it in the education world. There are are things out there with organizations in Texas. H-E-B grocery stores is really big and they do a teacher of the year. They do all kinds of things and being able to say, you are a finalist, or you won this award, like my campus was named a Texas school to watch, we were named a national school to watch, we were named a school transforming learning, there's different things that come with that, and it's kind of like building your brand before you get going, so I was building my brand before I even thought about this, I already had these awards under my belt, I already had this name out there, and so taking that and now catapulting it into the next level and looking at your lesson plan. What what's my next step? I need to be on social media. I need to start networking there, I need to start working through the different steps of where I want to go to get to that end goal.
0: And you just mentioned branding. Uh, what has been some of the challenges of you building your brand and marketing yourself for this chapter in your life?
1: Most educators have a problem tooting their own horn. And I have a big issue with that. My sister, I went to a thing this weekend with my sisters and they're like, you should give her your card so y'all can work together. And I'm like, Kimberly, no, (laughs) because you just you don't go up to strangers and toot your own horn and you don't do it to people, you know, and educators are that way. But it's like when you're interviewing for a job, you have to toot your own horn because nobody else is going to toot it for you. Mm. So you have got to you've got to market yourself. You've got to brag on yourself. And it is very hard for people to do. And it's something that you've got to get used to, because if you don't do it, who's going to do it? You're wanting to make money at this. So you got to figure out how to do it and get comfortable with it.
0: Mm. I like that. I like that. Yeah. A lot of. (sighs) For many reasons, I think people have issues with that, whether it's. Uh, family members, like your family culture, we don't do that, or mm-hmm. religious reasons, but you have to do it in a way in which people know you are, because you're trying to build that like, know, and trust factor, and how you do it, you know, each individual will do I guess what's comfortable for them, or what they know of, or or experience because on I need to get more involved on on LinkedIn. I'm there, but uh, I hear that's where the money where the money is at. And I'm definitely on on Twitter. Twitter, but Twitter has felt a little different. A little different uh, after Musk uh, has taken over. It just oh no. I was talking somebody we were chatting on Twitter the other day. I was like, yeah, it did not quite feel the same. It feels feels feel same way. Uh, But I I have spent most of my time on there in terms of building my brand, getting out my podcast and having these conversations about the things that are important to me uh, in education. Uh, Before we go, what is your advice for an educator who is interested in starting their own education focused uh, business? Right. So they've seen you at a conference and they're like, she's awesome. I think, Hey, I may want to do that myself, but you have to know how to start and how do you build your business? How do you actually build a business? What you're going to build your business off of, which is another thing educators need to get to when you're talking about the whole bragging piece of what am I good at? Because you have to know what you need to build your business off of. Okay, Again, there's no winging it. You may get your first check like (laughs) I did where someone approached you where you were not even expecting it. And you go, oh, yeah, I'll I'll do this. Especially when you saw, you know, I saw the numbers that we agreed to. I said, yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, But to move forward from that, you have to be intentional and purposeful. What would you say to that that, that teacher who they're like, uh, Kathleen, I see what you're doing. I've gone to your website. It's awesome. You're speaking. I saw you at this conference. How can I do what you do?
1: I would say the first thing you need to understand is it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like American Idol and you're going to win it. And all of a sudden you've got this huge contract or all this money. It, it takes time. And it, it takes work. If like, in my case, this is really what I'm looking at for a retirement thing. And I, I'm six years from retirement, according to my husband. So <laughs> he says, I've got six years. So I started about seven years before retirement. And it takes a while to get that traction going, because you've got to build that brand. Don't don't say, OK, you know what? I'm going to become an educational entrepreneur. Here's my reg Now, let me sit down and write my plan. It's because <laughs> you're going to go hungry. And with the price of eggs now, you're going to go really hungry. <laughs> so um, I think that, you know, you've got to accept that it takes a while. If if you're struggling, don't internalize it. Don't feel take feel it as a failure. Keep, keep at it. Keep marketing yourself. Keep plugging away at it because at the end of the day, if you are authentic, if you um, believe in what you're doing and you have something of value for others, it's kind of like on the whole field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. And so just keep plugging at it because if you've got a message others need, they will come and they will hear it. Just, you're not, it's not American Idol. It's not going to happen overnight.
0: All right. All right. Thank you, Kathleen, for coming on the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: You are welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be an Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. I need you to subscribe. And to share this with your network. And though I am on all major podcast platforms, I need I'm trying to grow right on Apple Podcast. So not only listen to it, subscribe, share it, give me some stars and some reviews, people. I hadn't had reviews in, in, in months. I'm going to, to my analytics, y'all listening to the show, but can I get some reviews? Because I'm trying to be found and I'm trying to get Oprah on the show, because I want to know that we're doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Kathleen Ecker, for coming on and dropping some gems, and for you for checking out another episode of The Dr. Will Show. As always, people, invest in you. EDU. Peace.